Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey I idolized Dominic Hasek. I played goalie because of Dominic Hasek. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off-limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome, everybody, to I'll Hang Up and Listen, joined by producer Steve, both sporting the, of course, the goat head, Dominic Hasek, greatest of all time, best hoodie in Buffalo, by and far. You have that from Dominic Hasek himself, uh, who supported it uh, just last week, uh, supported in a picture with myself and my own father. So with that being said, uh, to get away from the unimportant stuff, to get to the important stuff, the Buffalo Sabres on a very iconic, legendary, however you want to describe it, night, just a night to remember. A chance of redemption, Steve, um, for how they flubbed 90s night a few years ago, um, which I guess if that never happened, uh, me and you probably aren't even talking right now, to be quite honest with you. You really, if you think about it in that term, in those terms, but uh, just an absolutely fun night. Um, you know, they, they knocked it out of the park. And I think if you're going to, uh, ask for things to be done differently, um, the things you're asking for are probably like big ass, but in terms of all the little things that you ask for as a fan for them to get to, to, to do on a night like this, they did it. I think, I think the only little thing I think I might've mentioned, unless they played at the end of the game and I missed it was they didn't play cotton eye Joe, but other than that, man, they, they knocked it out of the park tonight. Yeah, uh, you know, Cotton Eye Joe would have been nice. Maybe uh, Rick Jetterett's in a 200 sweet level box and just gives the crowd a nice little wave or something. But aside from that, like, I, I mean, again, I didn't grow up in Buffalo. And, 
you know, in that golden era, I was anywhere between the ages of nine and 14. So, or 15, 16, 17. So, yeah, my family wasn't making a lot of trips to Buffalo to watch Sabres games. So I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to grow, like, I grew up with it through a television set in standard definition. Not like the way we can watch hockey now, where, you know, you can literally see everything happening. Like, you're struggling to see what's going on on the ice out there. But, damn, like, if that wasn't as close as I will ever get to that era of hockey live and in person, like, you, you, you've used the phrase on multiple occasions, but I feel like tonight was the first time that it was truly an electric factory. Start to finish, yeah. like, from that first goal, just to start things off, there was no, there was no dull moment. Not, not, not even for no, a second. Yeah, I mean, there really wasn't. That that game from start to finish was, like I said, like you know, they scored thirty. Was it eighteen seconds into the game? Like almost immediately. Was it thirty-five seconds into the game or eighteen seconds? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no, this was, that, yeah, this one was another one where we scored real quick. Yeah, Jeff yeah. Skinner just takes it in. Skinner. Basically, basically from the goal line, finds a way to put it over. I, that, and that, you know that, like, just in and out. You know, as you a goalie, and, I, and I'll, you know, I'll put my goalie shoes on here for a second. Um, he was in what we call a reverse vertical horizontal uh, RVH. Um, you know, it's a different type of post coverage. Um, I don't think he really needed to be in there. And the the key thing there for him to do is to seal that post with his helmet, with his head. He didn't do that, and Skinner caught him sleeping. And you know, it was a phenomenal shot. Um, you know, again, caught Bennington sleeping. Probably one of the more hated players in the NHL. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have zero love loss for Jordan Bennington. Guy's a douchebag. But um, <laughs> and then it is like the Sabers kept their foot on the pedal for the most of the game. I yeah. think uh, there were a couple moments there in the first period where they might have had us on our heels a couple times. UPL. Uh, getting his first win of the season, uh, played outstanding. Um, and I've said this multiple times before, if that guy can stay healthy, he is a, he can be a solid NHL goaltender. Um, but the bitch of it is the combination of uh, being healthy, staying healthy, and being consistent. Uh, you know, I, I see a lot of fans already saying, is he the best organi- goalie uh, in the organization right now that's signed by the organization right now? Uh, let's not jump the gun there, right? I don't. I don't want to jump the gun too quick here. Um, for me, that's uh, string some more games together, you know, because we've seen goaltenders play like that against Buffalo, and you know that was that was the highlight of their career in the you know what I mean in the past with certain goaltenders. So you know, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I I, I love what I saw tonight out of out of Oopy. Uh, you know what was the chat? You was going you. Okay, yeah, I love it. Uh, but you know, uh, no, some, say, no, no, there. you got to string some more games together before this to be, you know, for him to be considered a solution and for you to really consider uh, when Comrie's healthy because there's no way you're cutting Craig Anderson because you're not going to ask that guy to spend another year away from his family uh, just to cut him or to, tra- you know, unless you're trading him. I don't know. And that would only be at his, you know, his permission because I, I, I can't see Buffalo doing a veteran, a guy that, that is respected as he is like that. So um, it would have to be a guy like Comrie, um, who they signed to a two, was it a two or three year deal? 
It's a it's a two year deal. It's a two year deal. So I don't see them cutting him. So I, I don't know. Will, will the Sabers carry three goaltenders? I don't know. We'll see. But uh, very you know, couple clicks for UPL tonight. Phenomenal job by him. Uh, you know, making this and props to the, the the boys in the blue line too. Uh, they made it very. I don't want to say they made it easy for him because he made some tough saves out there. But in terms of seeing the puck, being able to track the puck, he never really had to deal with too much traffic in front of him. Uh, you know, the guy, the, the, the you know, guys like Power. You, you saw, we saw uh, Yoki Haru, you know, played some, a couple very uh, nice plays in his own end. Uh, things that we are accustomed to seeing from him uh, so far over the past, you know, this season and, you know, much of last season. Um, Labushkin, I mean, I, I, I commented um, during the game. I still think he's hurt. Um, he just does not seem, uh, does not seem himself. Um, he's not playing physical, but he didn't have a bad game tonight either. And then Darlene just did what Darlene does. Owen Power looked great. Uh, Samuelson is really a staple uh, in that lineup. Um, I don't know what it is about him. Not, not. I mean, I know what it is, but. I don't know why it is his team can't, you know, play this way even without him in the lineup. I mean, again, Cully said it last time, and I'll hang up and listen. He goes, it's a trickle-down effect. It gives you – having a guy like him gives you the flexibility to spread certain guys around on your blue line, and uh, I, I, I agree with them. So, um, again, props to the boys. Phenomenal night on the return of the Goathead night back in red and black. Um, just, again – just the, from the overall, the game itself, game presentation from the music playlist to just Sabretooth coming down from the rafters, those vibes, taking us back to the glory days. Uh, the video package to start the game, the stuff throughout the game, uh, the stuff on the Jumbotron, you know, the, the, you know, the, the 90s games they did, um, you know, the, the Thundersticks, that was cool. The fanny packs, even though me and you weren't able to get some, I, that's kind of my fault too. I apologize, Steve. Uh, maybe next time. Um, you know, just you got two fanny packs out there. Hit us up. Almost perfect. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. There was a lot. Obviously, there's a lot to write home about tonight. The, I mean, not only was UPL's performance just truly spectacular. I, I just personally loved seeing the fan base get behind the kid mm-hmm. because, like. I, I, again, like his first his first season here, he had a couple starts, and it seemed like every single start yeah. he got, he would let that first shot in. So it was hard for people to – they were just like, oh, great. Glad yeah. we called him up. Uh, but, you know, but, like, yeah, tonight, I mean, he's been putting in the work. Like, again, like his Rochester stats don't show it, but, again, like the defensemen that he has are the people that got fucking, you know, pulled into oblivion when they got called up here. Mm-hmm. When Samuelson, Labushkin, and Yoki Haru were out, so his stats suffered that much more because those were supposed to be Rochester's better defensemen, mm-hmm. and then they were gone. And yeah, it was just amateur tryout, professional tryout, just call ups from Cincinnati. It was it was just a train mm-hmm. wreck. So again, for him to be even close to a 900 save percentage in Rochester this year is nothing short of a miracle. He's put it to work. He's playing again for aside from like a couple one or two big blowout games like he's playing pretty consistent hockey down there so it was really nice to see you know not only him like get that nhl look and you know really do something with it tonight but yeah just to see the fan base just kind of like embrace him as just you know just embrace him 
and you know, get that get that U chant going. You know, it just yeah. felt good. And let's talk about Jack fucking Quinn for a second. Yeah. Lord, that kid pounded in the third period. Well, you saw him throughout the game. He was getting a lot of chances. Um, you know, and after he finally got that first goal where he kind of uh, flubbed the first attempt, I think he was trying to uh, get the pass across, uh, at, you know, at first, because I believe it was a two-on-one. It was an on-man rush for sure. Yeah, it was a two-on-one. Yeah, and two-on. then he got, he, you know, he had the time and space to take a quick look, and he ripped one right by Bennington. We had a really rough night, by the way. You love to see it. Um, but, uh, you know, just you saw the kind of the sigh of relief on his face when he turned to the boards, and it was like, you know, yes, finally, thank God. And then that move he pulled on Pennington, man. Like, oh. holy, what a goal. That was insane. <laughs> you know, check the stands for Bennington's jockstrap after that one. And me and you kept on noticing down in the corner. We had There were two fans down in the corner, one wearing a Barnaby jersey and the other one wearing the old red alternate jersey. It was Shatan, but it was a number 18 Shatan from that half a season where he switched his number back to uh, a number he had, I believe, when he was with Edmonton before Buffalo. I think he wore 18. Switched to 18 after Michael Groshek was traded away and then realized those vibes weren't working all too well for him. So he moved back to 81, which was a good move on his part. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, every time better would go to the boards, you know, sometimes, you know, most goalies do this either in, you know, in between whistles, they'll skate out of their, you know, get their feet moving, keep their, keep their, keep the blood flowing a little bit. He would go to that corner and they would let him have it every time. And I loved it. Banging on the glass, just making them. Oh yeah, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, on that second Quinn goal, like. As he like turns around, as he's getting deked out of his shorts, like the stick just flies, and he's like, oh, "What the fuck?" And just the stick just goes yeah. flying. Yeah, um, we, we have Austin in here, uh, contributor to goalies. I'm like intern Austin. Right We're on. gonna bring him into the stream, Austin, buddy. Uh, thanks for hopping on. Me and Steve were at the game tonight. Had a absolute phenomenal time. Uh, before before we get your opinion on that, we have a lot of comments here in the peanut gallery. Uh, Greg Malcolm. Uh, front of the program. What a great game, boys. Dylan Baker, great game. Uh, yeah. Oh, so that's what they were chatting. Luke, Luke, I love it. I love it. Chris Dirk, front of the program. What a great night. 90s night was a success on and off the ice. Make up for the 50th anniversary 90s night. UPO was solid. Intro was phenomenal. And just a flat-out great night for all us boys. I, I couldn't agree with you more. My favorite handle on here tonight was just perfect everything the dominator 39 you love to see it mauricio you're here every night with us when we go high for all hang up and listen appreciate you bud finally quinn finished after numerous scoring chances you were right Dwayne. you foresaw the opportunistic scoring quinn paterica and cousins have talent just need more uh seasoning confidence finishing yep i i agree with you mauricio uh, Dylan Baker, UPL is phenomenal. The Dominator, once again, if UPL plays like that for a few games in a row, zero chance he goes back to Rochester. I tend to agree. I could definitely see his team carrying three goaltenders. Uh, I don't think I, I don't think you put yourself in a spot where you have to cut uh, any of the three uh, or either. You know, Andy's not going anywhere. There's no way. Um, he, he's here for the whole season. There's two. Uh, there's two. Of- What's his real name? 
his former NHL player. Love the hot takes, swear jar insights. Uh, he is not a former NHL player. Uh, he did play up in the OHL. Um, I believe he signed with a minor league affiliate before his career in Brooklyn because of a knee injury. But uh, one of the one of the more uh, insightful guys that to talk to about hockey. Uh, Cully Cully's phenomenal, uh, especially when he's on his A game. Uh, nobody can uh, really. Um, uh, you know, articulate the game of hockey as good as he does, at least in my opinion. Nobody I've met before. Um, Dylan Baker, he needed to make the saves that he needed to make. That's all we can ask from him. I 100% agree. Uh, Greg Malcolm Samuelson was giving Noel Akari the business tonight. Yep, that was phenomenal to watch. Uh, again, you, you love to see it. Uh, the only shot UPL should have had was the goal that was taken away on the offsides. Agree with you there. Uh, you, you hate the offsides review until it works in your favor, right? Um, Dylan Baker, I've always been behind UPL. Love to hear it. Quinn is a sniper for sure. And then finally, Greg Malcolm. I was hoping for angry Benningtons, as were we all. I was hoping, and I tweeted out as well, it would be great to see Skinner. Uh, blow him a kiss after that goal, just to really get him riled up, uh, because you know, all know, you know, he he exact big and tough and whatnot. You know, he thinks he's uh, Tommy Tough Nuts out there sometimes. So if Skinner could have got him going, that'd have been great. He's ten So Austin, uh, assuming that you watched the game, uh, your impression from uh, watching it on TV, what you thought about the presentation of the Goathead jerseys? And just the overall play of the last uh, last forty eight hours from this from these Buffalo Sabers, the organization is finally getting it. You know the the presentation was phenomenal. Sabertooth coming from the Raptors was an absolute classic. Um, the whole video they had with the music selection was phenomenal. Just from start to finish, they did it right. The Goat Heads looked clean, and the players. They played like, you know, they played like they needed to show something out, and they did. Skinner scoring in the first 40 seconds of the game. Like, phenomenal. Can't ask for a better start. Skinner now has seven points in two games. You mm -hmm. know, like, oh, man, just incredible. Incredible from start to finish. Loved the response that they got from the Blues getting the tying goal in the second period and just going and getting three more. Um, but, yeah. I love seeing Bennington getting put in the bin. It's fantastic. I can't stand him. He's my least, one of my least favorite players in the NHL. So anytime you can put six past Bennington, it may, brings a big smile to my face. Jack, Jack Quinn finally getting some goals, and they're gonna. It just opened up the floodgates for him. Broke the broke the ice for him. He's gonna start scoring a lot more, scoring in bunches now. Um, yeah, just an overall great team performance. The blue line was fantastic. The forwards all played well. And I got to say, Tyson Yost, the last two games, has played actually fairly solid for the team. And maybe this is exactly what the former 10th overall pick needed in his career. In his first shift as a Sabre, he gets in a scrap in Montreal, and he's actually looked pretty solid. So, you know, I, I – I like the pickup that Kevin Adams made, claiming him off of waivers, and he's already made an impact on the team. So, you know, can't complain about that. No, you can't. And um, what, like, uh, I, I mentioned it to Steve while we were sitting there watching the game. Like, he hasn't really, you know, he doesn't stick out to you in a good way, but he does doesn't hurt. You know, you don't know. He was like almost like 
kind of like the way I used to talk about Jokin Hest. Like, once in a while, he pots a goal there. But he never hurts you. He wasn't hurting us out there. And he plays his game. He plays an honest game. He plays well in his own end. And he's out there on the penalty kill every time we take a penalty. So, um, mm-hmm. as long as he's doing his job out there, uh, he will, like, I think Donnie will like likes likes players like him, guys who play a good on all in all four zones of the all three zones of the ice, and um, you know isn't going to hurt you defensively. And I, I think Donnie is going to appreciate that. I think it's going to be tough to see him come out of this lineup uh, as he plays like that every night because you don't always need to go out there and score you know provide scoring chances or you know um, you know score goals. Preventing goals from happening is also a big. Uh, a big deal too, and having players in your team that you can throw out there against the other team's top line players—that that's that's important too. And this is like the last two games are the first two times we've really seen uh, this team really able to handle uh, the opposing team's top lines. I think who scored for them last night, Steve? Uh, you know who Who's, scored? Uh, who scored for Montreal? I want to. Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield definitely got one of them. I'm trying. Yeah, to I mean he's a top line player, but I mean. Yeah. I mean, but for the most part, you lock you lock that top line down, and then you did that tonight too. So uh, that's two games out there. Yeah, I'd be interested to see. I I'd be interested to see what lines he matched up with when he was out there, uh, five on five. Yeah, really um, yeah. I mean, it's clear that he's gonna get some uh, bottom six minutes, but uh, you know, honestly, the uh, the pairing of Gergensen and Ogposo is. And you know, I I know that you have your feelings about the guy, but it's kind of been in an identity crisis ever mm-hmm. since uh, Larson left the organization. I think they just kind of needed that like stable center that they you know know what they're going to get out of him. And what they get out of him is something yep. consistent, something you know, something decent. And obviously, Eakin, Eakin's one claim to fame last year was the the neck turn and winning faceoffs. He literally couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So you can't really build much of a fourth line identity around that, but I feel like Tyson Jones might be uh, might be bringing what uh, Grigginson's and when Nakposa comes back, what he'll need to have some sort of fourth line grinding identity. And, and uh, you know, I think the log line might become the jog line. So yeah, I agree. Uh, somebody actually have their fucking step that in the in the in the Pianica here real quick. From uh, Colin uh, Colin Donnie uh, saw an Andre Treffel off jersey night best goat head jersey sighting of the night. There were some good ones out there, man. There were definitely some good ones. Uh, Bennington acts like he's Hashik or Wah. He acts like he's a fuck. He, he walks on fucking water. I'm so glad they lit him up. You and me both, man. I'm excited to see Jost with Akposo and Gergensen. the jog line. That would be very interesting. I think that is a line. Uh, especially with the young, young young legs of Joe, a guy who can keep up, uh, you know, maybe make up for the lack of speed from from Akposo. Yeah, a guy who, you know, you can maybe throw out there against the team's top lines and you know expect them to lock them down because you see the type of game Gergensen brings night night and night out. It is important, um, and it, I, I appreciate it as well. I think he does have a lot of value on this team, especially for what you're paying him. So. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see how that line works out too when Kyle's back and healthy. I think that uh, I think that the problem is though is that once Asplund comes back, it's going to leave you know Middlestat and Krebs as the odd men out mm-hmm. because I mean that's fine with Middlestat because you know he doesn't provide anything really five v five besides a very good forecheck. Um, 
But for Krebs, I mean, a young player who just needs to find the he just needs to find the back of the net a couple times to to really get that confidence back. Unfortunately, when guys like a Poso and Aspen come back, they're going to take his spot because he's not really producing much, mm-hmm. you know. Or are they going to scratch Tyson Jost because he's the new guy on the block? But he's a vet who you know brings something special to that fourth line with Giergensen's and Uposo. It's a tough question they're going to have to answer. Yep. Uh, Rasmus Asplund, he does have value too, but uh, me and Steve were talking earlier, man, like a guy like Tyson Jost could make a guy like Rasmus Asplund expendable. He could. I mean, right now it's a small sample size, so let's not put the uh, cart before the horse. But no, no, no. I mean, no. I mean, yeah, we'll ultimately see uh, how those two shake out year in, year out. I mean, if those are the two dudes that cycle in and out, I feel like they do enough of enough of the same things that you want them to do. That if those are the guys that are switching in and out of healthy scratching, I mm-hmm. I think ultimately, if the end game of this team is to develop and grow the young guys. And you know that that's like priority number one. Like this, this, this season is not about making the playoffs. This season is no, about it's not a contender. This season's about ideally being a 500 team and giving the young kids, you know, the whole backyard. It's like you do it, do what you got to do. Let your legs stretch, roam free, figure it out. You know, win, lose, suffer, bleed. I don't give a shit. You're out there. Figure it out. So. You know, sending a kid like Krebs back down to Rochester or just sitting him night in and night out in the press box is just doing the kid a disservice. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, ultimately, I, I mean, we've, we've all been pretty critical of, uh, you know, Casey, but, you know, I, I just don't think they're ever going to bench the guy. I, I just don't, I, again, I just don't think that's not his style. But ultimately, like, Krebs has to stay in the lineup. Like, he's not, like, Respectfully, he's not going to get that much out of going back down to Rochester. Like, yeah, he might give like a little like, might give like a little jolt of lightning through the uh, through the arms of guys like Kulik and Rosine, but like, that's not doing anything for him. Like, he needs to learn how to like make that playmaking skill translate to the big game. Like, that's what like that's what he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be that fucking disgusting playmaker. So, I mean, if he's going to get healthy scratched every day, like, I hope he's getting a garbage plate or something because at least he can put on ten. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if it were me, if I, you know, if I could be the GM for a second, I would never sit that kid. You know, it, regardless of whether he's struggling or whether he's succeeding, the kid needs to be fucking playing NHL minutes. And I Did we get an update on uh, Bryson? He didn't play the entire uh, third period. Uh, I know they mentioned something on the broadcast that he wasn't seen out. Did they give an update in the post game on if, if what he was dealing with? Um, I haven't seen anything. This is actually the first I've heard that he didn't play a single shift in the third period. Um, I wasn't aware of that. Let's look that up right now. Um, yeah, let's take a, take a gander here. Let's see. Jacob Bryson. Well, you just can't type Bryson into, into Twitter because then a lot of other stuff shows up, and it's not always what you're looking for. But um, Jacob Bryson... Yeah, I'll keep looking for it. Like, keep chatting. See, figure something out here. I'm not seeing anything here recently on Jacob Bryson. Yeah, I'm guessing that might be something that they might want to take a closer look at. I mean, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, so I'm not, I'm yeah. not sure how much of a closer look they're going to take at it. 
Uh, but probably tomorrow, he's probably just going to like rest and recuperate like everybody on the team, you know, have dinner with their families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so probably like first thing Friday morning, if he needs to be evaluated, like somebody from the medical staff is going to take a look at him. Um, I, I mean, I didn't see anything that was like eye-raising that like, ooh, he's going to be acclimated. Like he's clearly feeling... Like, honestly, there was that one shift where, like, Skinner took a big hit. He was kind of like, you know, he was kind of like a little, uh, little dog. Yeah, because Tage Thompson came back on a two-on-one, and he passed it off to Skinner, and Skinner yeah, Skinner had, he had was just like, he, Yeah, he was just, like, not really, like, engaged in the play. And it wasn't yeah. – we weren't quite sure if he was totally gassed or if he was, like, genuinely hurt. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I didn't see anything that happened to Bryson that really makes me think, like, he's going to be, like, out for a long time. It might be mm-hmm. just, like, a day-to-day dinner. And if it is, you know, maybe pull in Pilot in place of him. I mean, honestly, I'd rather have Pilot than Fitzgerald, but we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, my, my guess is we probably just given that tomorrow's Thanksgiving, I don't think we're going to get any meaningful update on that until Friday morning when somebody's back at work and taking it. Yeah, I, was, I mean, I was proud of UPL tonight. I mean, your first game up in the majors, you get you get kind of shellacked by the Maple Leafs. You, sh- you shake that yeah, off. I mean, that wasn't his fault, though. No, it's not. But, he but you know, garbage in front of him. You know, still though, your first game up again. Yeah, it seems like consistently every times he every time he's came up from Rochester, he has a shitty blue line in front of him, and he's getting shellacked out there. Mm-hmm. Happened last year. Happened the year before that when we were in the COVID year. So you know, for him to shake all that off and have a phenomenal game tonight, mm-hmm. can't be happier for the guy. Can't be happier for the guy. Yeah. And you got back-to-back great games for both goaltenders, Anderson and UPL. Um, and just back-to-back games where you were finally looking at a blue line that was doing all the little things right. They weren't puck-watching. They they were controlling their gaps. They weren't allowing uh, players in front to take liberties, uh, you know, whacking away at extra uh, loose pucks, playing physical, uh, you know, picking up the stick instead of just watching the puck as it's coming towards the net. Um you know, you know, using their sticks as windshield wipers instead of playing angles correctly. Uh, they did everything right uh, the last two nights. Um, and the forwards, again, you played a very aggressive style of hockey. You weren't allowing um, the Blues to have a lot of time and space with the puck. Um, I mentioned it really early on. Like, look how quickly it takes a Buffalo skater to get within a foot of the puck carrier for St. Louis. They're almost on them, like flies on shit immediately. You weren't seeing that in the eight game losing streak. You know, they weren't playing that aggressive. They were playing like dog shit in their own end. Uh, it's a completely dip, uh, night and day different team from what we saw a week ago until we, what we've seen the last two nights. Yeah. Uh, I'm honestly not sure how much uh, UPL studies the tape, but I kind of noticed something like multiple attempts that the uh, Blues made when they were able to get something mm-hmm. set up. Is it got kind of like this like little. It's kind of like a right triangle sort of thing that they got going. And they got one guy at the top center, takes it down to one of the corners, and then they feed it to the guy dead, dead center, or they feed it back to the guy way up. And every single time, like, UPL knew that it was coming to that guy and he was right where he needed to be. It happened, like, four or five times, and it was always, like, a nice tic-tac-toe shot. And, like, it beats a lot of teams. That's why this team succeeds, because they keep playing that play, and it works. But UPL, like, he just knew it was coming every single time. So I'm not sure if that's just, like, a virtue of studying the tape with somebody or mm-hmm. – I, I, I'm not sure. But, like, yeah, he was just, like, every single time they set up that play. And I've seen it work for him so many times and so many highlights. Uh, but, no, he, he was just like, nope, you're not fooling me with that shit. 
yeah, the, the only times they beat them were like, you know, taking them deep, wide, wide open Martin. It's like, you know, some somebody just maybe not on their guy on that corner. And, uh, you know, you, for a guy who had double hip surgery, you can only stretch so far. Uh, mm-hmm. so, you can't save them all. We can talk too about Tage Thompson. You know, even though I don't think this is the first time he has not gotten on the score sheet, yeah, quite some time. Uh, still a phenomenal effort from him. I, I I tweeted it last night. That guy has a highlight reel move almost every single game. Like he, you know, he reminds me. When I tweeted out earlier too. I said it's like watching Tim Conley again with him. Those are the vibes you get from watching him stick handle, but. Another vibe that I get from him that we got early on in this particular player's career, before pre Briere jury trade, or my trade, uh, you know, after they walked in free agency, is a Fenneganoff. And when I say that, every time he gets the puck, you kind of get off your seat just a little bit because it's like you know something special is about to happen. I get those vibes uh, from from Tage Thompson, and it's so cool. Um, you know, you would get those with Jack Eichel too, because Jack Eichel's a special hockey player and he's going to do something special out there, but it, it's awesome to see a guy, the size of Tage Thompson, uh, it, like the comeback story of that kid over the last couple of years. Um, you get off your seat a little bit every time he touches the puck because he, you know, it's like, you know, that one movie when Stella got her groove back, Tage got his groove back and, uh, you know, every time he 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 he's entering the zone with the puck, um, you almost know something nice, some something nice and unique or uh, fun is about to happen. Yeah, um, kind of felt the same way when I saw Dylan Cousins finally get his first goal in a minute tonight. Mm. Like, Dylan Cousins, great game tonight. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. He's just commanding that line at center with Patrick mm. Quinn. He's just doing a phenomenal job. And again, he's like. He's not like he's a veteran comparatively for this team because he's been here for more than two years. But like, he's still a very young man and he's like taking his leadership role very well. But like, yeah, I mean, this is a kid who's been like trying so hard to get on the score, get get the get the lamp lit, and just keeps getting snaked. He's also like had like two or three goals in the past couple of weeks. Go off skates, go off sticks. He's just snake bitten out there and like. The same way that, like, Jack Quinn was just desperate to get a fucking goal. Like, you could see it for Dylan Cousins. But, my God, that three-on-one was a thing of beauty. Like, that felt like a play straight out of 1999. Like, you you don't see a three-on-one happen so beautifully anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. because teams are too defensively good at this point. Like, they don't let three-on-ones happen anymore. So, like, just to see that play out the way it did, like, and thankfully, Buffalo didn't make one too many passes, which we've also seen them do from time to time. It was fucking beautiful. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Dylan, again, Dylan Cousins, J.J. Paterka, those are the two people I want to see grow more than anybody this year. But God, yeah, and that line looked it was fun to watch tonight, the Paterka oh and uh, Quinn line. They were clicking. Um, and, again, I think if uh, we discussed it last night um, – you know, and I'll hang up and listen. Is I'd still like to see them go out and try and find uh, another second line center um, to really make that that you know solidify that line as your third line. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with adding depth down the middle, and if you could add another guy down the middle for yourself, your top six. And like I said, I still really believe, at least for the time being, less is more. 
for those guys because, you know, they still have a lot of growing to do, um, growing into their bodies. They're not full-grown adults yet. So um, I wouldn't mind seeing those guys in that third-line position where they're playing 15, 16 minutes a night and, you know, grinding on the power play second unit, power uh, penalty kill. You know, that can go a long way for guys like that. And just to see them really bring in a like a second line center, um, you know, not, a, not, not, not somebody who, um, not somebody who you're going to have to pay a ton of money. I'm trying to remember who me and Collie were talking about last night. Uh, it was a good name too. I want to say it was out of Anaheim. Uh, let me take a look here. Um, who was it that we were referring to? It might've been from Anaheim. Um, Trevor Zegers. Yeah, I wish, right? I, I really do wish Trevor Zegers. Wish well, they're, uh, they're, they're, more, uh, they're more veteran centers or Ryan Strom and Adam Enrique. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Um, maybe it wasn't Anaheim. I'll think of it. Anyways, um, just a guy that you could bring in. Um, oh, God, I, I remember his name now. Um Dino, Philip Dino. Philip Dino would to come in and play for your team at a second line center. Um, you wouldn't have to pay him a boatload of money. Uh, I think he might have like a year left on the uh, current deal he's on. That type of player, I think, would be the perfect fit for this team and, um, you know, could really fit in nicely on, on your second line. I really do. Well, he does actually have five years at 5.5. Is it five? Yeah, five to 5.5. A guy like him, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, when when I watched him play in Montreal, he was doing great things. Like that playoff run that they had where they went to the cup final. He was one of their best players when they made that run to the finals. Yeah, he was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. I forget where he is now, though. He's with L.A. L.A., okay. Yeah. He's been there for uh, this second season with them. But those are the type of players you need. Uh, a guy, a guy like Philip Deneau, who you're not you're, again. You're not. He's not coming. You're not expecting him to be your first line center. And I mean, what would you trade for a guy like that? I, I, it's fun, man, because the vibes are back. Um, you're looking at this team again in a much more positive light. They're healthy again, um, minus obviously the injury to Akposo. Um, you're kind of looking at the lineup that you're going to have for most of the season. And, um, I mean, you give this type of effort every single night. I don't think it's going to matter who you're playing, man. You're going to win a lot more games than you lose. I agree. Um, it's nice to see the team fully healthy again. Um, I think that we could be seeing a trade package involving Casey Middlestat out of town relatively soon for some draft compensation just with, you know, Astlin being coming back healthy, Oposo being, you know, coming back healthy, Krebs, you know, they're, they're so deep that someone like Middlestad is the odd man out. They could, they could trade him out. I wouldn't be opposed to bringing someone in, but I think the chemistry is so good right now. And obviously they're winning again after, you know, taking an eight-game slide that, you know, it's good to keep the core guys together. Yeah. Um here from Greg Malcolm, what do you think guys think it would take to get a JT Miller or Bo Horvat to trade? Um, personally, I want nothing to do with JT Miller. I love the player, um, but that is a hefty contract that just kicked into year one. 
And yeah, we, um, we already have Jeff Skinner. We do not need another. Yeah, you, you can't pay two guys that kind that. of money, especially Just when the best hit. You know, I'm not saying JT's best years are behind him, but I would say that you would probably get maybe three good, three to four good years out of that contract. And you know, I don't think we're in a position where we can pay that guy. You know, we we can't we can't let ourselves get another Ocposa situation. Bo Horvat, on the other hand, though. I'm a big Bo Holder fan. I, I love his game. He's a he's the captain there. Um, I would love – I'd be, I'd be very interested to see. As far as I know, there are, I think, the only two players that are off limits right now in Vancouver are Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson, right? And Demko. They, and who? They said don't call about Demko. It's a non-starter, which I think okay. is fair. Yeah. So it's just, you know, pretty much everybody's up for grabs just got for those guys. And I'd be very interested to see what it would take to get a Bo Horvat, you know, 100% because, you know, one of the biggest things that lingered with him was the injuries. Um, he's been able to stay healthy. He's been very good for Vancouver, who's been struggling. Um, and he's a leader. He, he's, he, wear, he, wore, he wears the C in Vancouver. There's nothing wrong with being another talented leader into your locker room. Yeah, and uh, he does fit with the uh, with the age of this young team. I mean, he is only 27, uh, which is uh, kind of the golden years for uh, NHL forward. It's like pretty much once they hit 30, that's when more often than not, when you're not, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby or Patrice Bergeron mm-hmm. or Patrick Kane, you know, for the rest of the players of the world, uh, usually once you start hitting your 30s, you start getting some mm-hmm. efficient returns. So, I mean, even if it's only a four-year contract, the overwhelming majority of that contract would be a pretty mm-hmm. useful deal for for this for the squad. And again, um, respectfully, I think he would be an absolute fucking fool to re-sign with Vancouver unless they are going to back up the money truck for him, which spoiler alert they can't do. Uh, he would be an absolute fool to sign an extension with that squad. Uh, so. It's almost a certainty, given that he's an unrestricted free agent, that he will be. I mean, if Vancouver's smart, they trade him before they get to the free agency where he can just go anywhere for nothing. Uh, but that's it. Yeah, that's all to say. His time in Vancouver is there's an expiration date on it. I just don't know what it is. And I don't know where he goes. Uh, but most smart teams move them out of their respective conferences. So he's coming east. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see it be here. That would be nice. 100%. Um, and I still think you need some help on your blue line, too. I mean, I, I got some. I got, I got a little bit of slack for mentioning guy, a guy like, when I mean, you talk about Vancouver, a guy like Tyler Myers, I still think he would fit, fit in well on your blue line. Um, a guy with only one year left on his deal. If Vancouver, which they've shown they're willing to do in the past, is willing to eat half that contract, I wouldn't mind playing a guy, paying a guy like Tyler Myers with his experience and size, you know, three million for for one and a half seasons, um, to come back to Buffalo and see what he could see what he could do uh, in terms of contributing to this lineup, because um, he hasn't had a terrible uh, career. He hasn't. It, has he lived up to the expectations of that first Calder Trophy season? No, he hasn't. Um, but I still think he has some some game left in the tank, and he has something to offer a young team like Buffalo, in my opinion. But those are my two asks. Uh, you know, if if we're if we're 
trying to be selfish and say that, you know, we're looking ahead to playoffs, you know, as an actual opportunity for this team, you know, um, those are the two asks, a second line center and a legit uh, top six defenseman, um, which at the deadline, it could cost you quite a bit, but the Sabres have a lot to, a lot to offer. Like, you know, we've seen in the, in the peanut gallery, guys mentioned names like Casey Middlestat and Victor Olofsson. I think Victor Olofsson, um, granted, you know, the analytics say he, he does nothing five on five. I think personally, if you're going to trade him, you should probably do it soon while the iron's hot. But if they decide not to trade him, I don't mind it either, just because I think he is playing very well. Um, even five on five, I mean, I, I watch out there and I, I don't get upset with him as often as I used to. Um, and you can't just deny the con- contribution, how much better he makes that power play unit. Uh, with Tage on the opposite side of him, it, it's like a double, you know, a two-headed dragon, so to speak, uh, on your first power play unit. You know, who do you cover? Uh, it's tough. But, uh, you know, just to recap the box score from tonight's game, I'll pull it up here mo- uh, momentarily. But, uh, you know, again, 7-2 win for the Buffalo Sabres. Six, um, that was last, seven two was last night. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Six two. I apologize. <laughs> seven two was last night. Six two was the night. Thirteen goals in the uh, past twenty-four uh, hours. Over. I guess Buffalo saving all their scoring for when they came back home. Uh, you know, pre and goathead night. Um, just a ton of fun. The Sabers get to nine nine. Uh, you know, improved to nine and eleven. Two games out of five hundred. Um, UPL getting his uh, first win. Uh, of the season with Buffalo after, uh, you know, a not so hot. Uh, and again, not, it wasn't on him against Toronto. That was a tough spot for him to put in after the Comrie injury, you know, especially with how badly that team played in front of him uh, and not, you know, a, a game, a night I think he would like, and we all would like to forget about, especially because it was against Toronto, but uh, you know, definitely uh, a nice comeback, uh, a, a nice, uh, comeback game for him uh, in his second start in three uh, in three games. Uh, goals tonight, Jack Quinn with two, Jeff Skinner with two, giving him seven points in the last two games. Uh, Dylan Cousins with a goal, Vinny Hennestros with an assist, Casey Middlestat with an assist, Victor Olofsson with a goal, and then J.J. Paterka and Owen Power both with assists. Um, two of the most notable guys, I guess you could say, uh, not on the score sheet for sure. Would have been Darlene and Tage Thompson and Ukopakalukin and UPL with 34 saves on 36 shots. Uh, St. Louis Blues goals go to um, Pavel Bushnevich and Braden Shen uh, with assists going to Noel Akiari, uh, Ivan Barbashev, Jordan Kairou and Robert Thomas. So um, not a great night for uh, for the St. Louis Blues, top to bottom. Jordan Bennington getting shelved, only making 26 saves on 32 shots. Again, you love to see it, love to see it. One thing I definitely want to point out about this is kind of the fall of Ryan O'Reilly this season. The guy has been very, very less than average, or at least what we expect from Ryan O'Reilly. Maybe what he expects from himself at 31 years old. It's not like he's getting old. He's still got a lot of game left in the tank. But this season in 19 games played, uh, only eight points, and he's in a minus 10, uh, you know, for the center. Another guy, too, uh, that I'm not sure if you want to look up his contract, Steve. 
Um, maybe, maybe you could swing a deal to bring Ryan O'Reilly back to Buffalo. Um, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, it would definitely be interesting. But again, with guys like him or Tyler Meyer, I, I, I just feel like they might have enough bad memories of the way it was before that you can't convince them. No, babe, really, it'll be different this time. I just, I, I just don't know how you make that sell. Um, yeah. Maybe more so for Tyler Meyer than just given that he was here longer than uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Mm-hmm. Um, but that I guess that's all to say that, uh, I mean, Ryan O'Reilly does only have this one year left before he's a UFA. Granted, he's a UFA like, next this next season? He will, or he will be a UFA this summer. So oh, him, wow. and, him and Tarasenko, honestly. So that's the a Tarasenko pretty, thing. I, didn't he request a trade too? Oh, yeah. he's requ- I think he's requested trades more than once. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, obviously they made some big signings this summer. They signed Kairu long-term. They signed Robert Thomas long-term. Uh, you know, Bushnevis and Shen and Saad are locked up for a pretty long time. But a lot of the other forwards in this core are, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the two most notable are O'Reilly and Tarasenko. But uh, looks like uh, Barbashev, Akiari, uh, Tyler Pitlick, a uh, bunch of bunch other lesser known guys. Uh, they're they're all up this year either UFA or RFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean their blue line's pretty much locked up. The only dude who's up this year is uh, Nico Nicola, and I gun to my head, I don't really know who that is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, the forward core in St. Louis could be looking radically different come next fall. And I wouldn't be surprised if it did. I definitely don't see a Tarasenko back. Ryan O'Reilly, maybe, but I mean, he would kind of have to pick it up to make it seem like it's worthwhile to St. Louis to keep mm-hmm. him around. But he could definitely be one of those dudes moved at the deadline with salary retained. I feel like uh, Tarasenko, you're going to try to want to move the tires on that a lot quicker just because he's been so vocal about wanting out for quite a long time. And I guess from a statistics standpoint, he's doing a little bit it's- better. It's fun. It's fun to have these conversations. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, when it comes to Ryan O'Reilly, I would say you got like a three percent chance of that actually happening because he's going to be UFA. I don't see Buffalo wanting to give up assets for a thirty-one-year-old unless that playoff push is legitimate and you know they have a real sniff at it. But uh, again, next season, if you want to bring in a guy like Philip Deneau or Ryan O'Reilly to fill in at that second line, and again. I mean, just because you're a third-line center doesn't, you know, take away from your importance to this hockey team or your contribution to this hockey team. Um, you know, we talk about 90s night. That 05-06 Sabres team, they were so stacked. Derek Roy was your third-line center. Like, there was a reason why that team in particular should have won the Cup that year if it wasn't for injury in the playoffs to defend to our blue line. That team would have taken home the Stanley Cup. They would have steamrolled the Edmonton Oilers. Um, you had Ryan Miller entering his prime. You know, you know, Danny Breer, Chris Drury, Tim Conley, Afanaganov, Roy Vanek. They're all playing on a different level than the rest of the league. And that those were the those were the games. Those two years were they were never out of a game. Even if they're down by three with five minutes left, you knew they were going to find a way to come back and win. Um, and you know that's what you hope to get out of a Don Granado coached hockey team at full health, you know, when this, when this vision that Kevin Adams has for this team 
you know, players that want to be here, um, work hard, blue collar hockey, you know, that vision with those, all those great buzzwords that we hear that, you know, get us excited to uh, be Sabres fans again. Once that vision is fulfilled and, you know, the roster and how it shakes out, you know, you know, these players that you've drafted, the Matthew Savoy's, the Yuri Kulik's, the Devin Levi's, the Eric Portillo's, when these guys are ready to make that jump, how they'll fill into this locker room and on the ice, um, you know, that, you know, that's yet to be seen. But uh, I, I'm super excited to see the direction of this hockey team and to see them continue to play like this, to see them uh, when you do have a full building like you did tonight and the vibes are what they are and they're as loud, the fans are as loud as they are, to, to continuously show up and um, show up the way they have. And they have showed up in those moments. Granted, you know, the Jack Eichel return game tonight, this this year, not tonight, but this season, uh, you know, that's, you know, you know, one of the uh, exceptions. But in terms of playing in front of a full building with the fans, like, energized and on their feet, um, they've shown out. They, they've shown up almost every time, uh, dating back to last season, the Jack Eichel game last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh... – Definitely, you know, I, I'm happy to see that the eight-game losing streak did not get double digits. Uh, that makes me happy uh, because then I would actually start getting a little bit of PTSD based on what happened last year, um, or not last year, but two years prior, because that was oh uh, wait. Like I said, Greg, I 100% agree. I know Steve would agree too about Jack Quinn filling in that spot for sure. But all I'm saying is, like, do I need Victor Olsen as time? No, I don't. But if they don't just trade him immediately, like, I'm not going to be overly upset about it. Like, I'm just not. Like, I think he has a lot to contribute to this hockey team. Um, and if he's going to be on the ice, I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, I just also I also don't want to lose him for nothing. He's an RFA. I think it'll be RFA again. Um, he only signed what was like a two-year deal. He would be a free agent again next season. I'm he not sure. Be, Steve he, will actually, he will actually be a UFA. He'll be a UFA next year. Okay, so yeah. you don't want to lose a guy like him for nothing. So, I mean, he would be a guy that would be on the block or got to keep an eye on if Kevin Adams is interested in keeping him around uh, yeah. beyond this. Got him for, yeah, got him for two more years, but after that, UFA. So Who's that, two more years? Victor. He's got this year and next year. So oh, that's right. Yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't think yeah, he was. Yeah, 24-25 is what he is. Okay, yeah, so he's got one more year left of the deal. Um, Incidentally, also when Casey Middlestead becomes an RFA, so yep. you know so. those two, those two, uh, two more years, and then you have to ask yourself some serious questions, mm-hmm. and hopefully they come up with the right answers. Cousins reminds me. I love this comment. Cousins reminds me of Pekka. I can just imagine how good Buffalo would have been in 1999 if Pekka was the number three. Hundred percent agree. Um, and that's what I envision about Michael Pekka, or not Michael Pekka, but Dylan Cousins is. I, I look at him and I see so much of Pekka in his game, and that's why I'd be a huge advocate for them to bring Pekka up to be an assistant coach on this bench just to get him uh, talking and working with a guy like Dylan Cousins and J.J. Paterka as, as often as possible because you see a ton of his game in both those players, more so Dylan Cousins. Um you know, going back, I love, I love, I love the insight here from Greg Malcolm. Sam also reminds me of Jay McKee, solid stay-at-home guy that holds the D corps down 
which sucked losing him in 05-06 against Carolina, but I firmly believe Conley was the biggest loss here. I, I tend to agree. Conley's injury was really, I think, what hampered that team most because he was an absolute game changer. And, like, I, I, I don't joke um, when I talk about Tage Thompson. Like, I see a lot of the elite skill in Tage that we used to see at Tim in Timmy before all the injuries. Uh, the biggest difference is uh, Tage is a lot bigger. Um, he's not going to easily pushed or bullied around and maybe, uh, you know, Timmy was. So, uh, you know, I think the, uh, end of that story, uh, is gonna be a lot different for Tage than it was for Tim. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I see so much of the elite talent in Tage as I used to see in Tim, uh, just the ability to stick handle in a phone booth, weave his way through traffic, uh, get creative with his hands and the stick handling, um, just so much of his game uh, in Tage. But um, final thoughts, boys. Heading into Thanksgiving, a couple things here. What are we thankful for? And, uh, you know, what do we hope to see um, in this next half of the season? We're not quite at the halfway point yet, but what are we looking for from this team, uh, you know, post-Thanksgiving heading into the new year? I'm, I'm thankful for um, good beer. I'm thankful for the Sabres getting a win before Thanksgiving so I can have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy that Tage Thompson is a Buffalo Sabre. And just happy for friends and family and the time that we get to spend with one another because uh, no day is promised. And um, I'm hoping that we come out of Thanksgiving and – you know, take a couple days rest and just keep going on this win streak, keep getting some production out of the third and fourth lines. And, um, you know, hopefully we get to see Darlene win a Norris trophy this year. Uh, I, I love that last part. Cause I think it's, if he continues at this pace, not only we could be talking about, uh, Rasmus Darlene, uh, as a Norris Trophy front runner, but I think he's in the conversation for the Hart Trophy as well. Um, on pace for over 100 points. Um, same thing with Tage Thompson's on pace for over 50 goals, over 100 points. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what about that guy that's at number 97? Well, uh, the point of the Hart Trophy is most valuable to their team. And I think that if the, both these guys continue to play like this and somehow, some way, Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen. We can all always be cautiously optimistic. Find a way to break the playoff drought this season. I'd be hard-pressed to not at least have one or both of those guys nominated. Maybe I'm getting too ahead of myself. Maybe I'm being a biased Sabres fan. But uh, I, I I, I love hearing players like them in those talks in those circles of, you know, league's best defenseman at the Norris or Hart Trophy, you know, it's nice to hear those talks happen. And even with Tage not getting a point tonight, he was still active all over the ice, noticeably good, creating plays, creating havoc. Um, That's the player you're going to get every night. Um, You know, I'm hard-pressed to find a better player in the NHL right now. 
Yeah, I mean, you keep you keep saying that, and then all the people keep going, well, I guess Connor McDavid doesn't exist. It's like, yeah, we know Connor McDavid exists. But right now, the guy who's glowing up harder than anybody is still clearly Tage. Like, no no one saw this coming from Tage. Like, we no. all hoped it would happen. No, no one saw it coming. Nobody and he's just, he's, just taking, he's just taking what he built last year and just somehow amplifying it even more. Which, again, like, now, now the tweets are coming out like, Damn, Kevin Adams saved himself like three million dollars a year signing this deal early, huh? It's like, yeah, that's what we tried saying last summer when the deal got signed. That this is actually a good thing uh, because, yeah, if he just does even better this year, then yeah, he'd be looking at eight point five nine, maybe even ten to sign him long term. And yeah, now he's seven point one. You know, Robert Thomas is signed to eight. Kyrie signed to eight. Uh, Norris is signed to eight. I'm not hearing about them as much. As, I, I'm not seeing them on the NHL highlights as much as I'm seeing Tage Thompson. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, the NHL doesn't have to talk about Tage. They can talk about uh, any good player on 32 teams. But they keep talking about Tage. There must be a reason for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess what I'm thankful for, uh, hockey in general, the fact that I don't live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania anymore because I wouldn't be able to go to these games in person. And I probably wouldn't be doing this because I'd still be fucking around in Philly instead of, you know, just getting to talk Sabres all day, every day because I'm, you know, not li- yep. living in Philly instead of the greatest city on planet Earth. Um, thankful for my band. We fucking rock. Um, our record's finally fucking done being recorded. Uh, so that's going to be out at some point in the new year. It's going to be sweet. Um, and I'm thankful for the box of vegan food from Strong Hearts that I'm going to fucking devour tomorrow. So th- thankful for vegan places that make a giant Thanksgiving meal kit for lazy motherfuckers like me who don't want to cook. Because I don't want to cook. So thank you for cooking for me. And I will just preheat my oven and stick these things in there for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. call it a feast. Let's go. Right. <laughs> I, I personally am thankful for the friends I've made through this show, including you guys, my family, uh, my girlfriend, um, you know, just on a personal level, uh, you know, who's going, she, you know, they're going through a tough time right now. So, you know, a couple clicks for them and hopefully they get through this and uh, yep. And, um, but thankful for um, like you said, Steve hockey and this team, um and the steps they've made for they've they've made to move forward uh and we hope that they continue to make um they've made hockey fun again in buffalo uh so you know they made that crest whether it's the goat head or the royal blue and gold um excuse me i couldn't hold it in i apologize uh but um they've made being a sabers fan something to be proud of again um you know how often, you know, over the last five years do we see, you know, a lot less often seeing people even on, you know, in the off season or a non-game night while wearing their Sabres gitch, um, wearing it with pride, where, you know, 10 years ago, you know, you couldn't turn a corner without seeing somebody wearing a slug hat or a, a goat head hat or whatever it was. Um, so I'm thankful for those teams for making uh, – this this sabers family fun again um i'm thankful for uh 
looking forward during the day to watching games again. Um, I, I'm thankful for not turning games off early anymore, even when they're losing. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm thankful for, uh, you know, the podcast for um, how, I guess, as I mentioned before, you know, I'm thankful. I'm not, I'm not thankful that they, they were miserable to watch two years ago, but I'm thankful that we went through the things that we went through because we're stronger here at the end of the line. Um, again, had that all not happened, Steve, we and you probably aren't talking right now. The show doesn't exist. I mean, it did exist before all that, but it was only for a handful of episodes and uh, then it died and, and it was revitalized through what happened with, uh, with the rant and, you know, I uh, so I'm thankful for those struggles for, and, and because of those struggles, where we are right now as a team and as a Sabres family, as a podcast family. So uh, I uh, I'm thankful for all of that. So um, with that being said, any final thoughts, boys, before we sign off here? Uh, really looking forward to Friday. Um, my brother's come to town because he's a big Devils fan. Um, and the Devils had three goals called back tonight and lost to the Maple Leafs. I saw that. And their streak ended. I so saw I'm, that. So my prediction, yeah, my prediction is that Friday is going to be, regardless of who's in net for either team, it's going to be a fucking high. It's just guns a place and high scoring affair. Mm-hmm. Bet the over if you're a bet man. That's all I'm going to say. Leafs win two to one with three goals turned uh, overturned. uh, To be fair, I I I do think that one. I do think the one was a distinct kicking motion, but the two were goaltender interference. Yeah, I saw that one. It's a tough call, but I mean that's I don't think I've ever seen that in my lifetime. Three 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 disallowed goals in one game. That's not. They started throwing trash on the ice. They were so fucking upset. I, I yeah, got I mean, it's, it's, they set they uh-huh. set a franchise record. They yeah. set a franchise record for, for, for wins in a season. And uh um I, I I don't condone throwing shit on the ice, but I can understand the the sentiment and the frustration and something that you're proud of that's happening and it's you know, being taken away from you, maybe unjustifiably. Um I, I get the anger. So it should have been a three two games. Devil should have thirteen dubs right mm-hmm. now. Or fourteen or twenty or whatever. Yeah. Is this, this point. So yeah, uh, bet the over Friday. That's my uh, that's my uh, betting pick. Don't don't take. Yeah, that's our betting advice. advice. Bet yeah, the that's over. My game advice. Advice. That's about all I got for you. Bet the fucking over. It'll be a mm-hmm. job. <laughs> unrelated, unrelated USA men's soccer team in the World Cup on Friday. Make sure you support the boys because World Cup only happens every four years. So make yeah, sure they look like they have themselves a team this year. Well, I, the problem is, is that they needed to beat Wales. I've played soccer my whole life, so yeah. you know, they needed to beat Wales because they're going up against England, who has one of the best teams in the world. And if you lose to England, beating Wales doesn't, you know, that that means a lot less by losing to England. But now that they drew Wales, they need to get a result against England, at least a draw, if not a win. That's going to be very difficult. Then they need to go beat the shit out of Iran by like eight goals. So, yeah. So. You know, we'll all be tuning in on Friday. Uh, when's the Ryan Miller Jersey retirement ceremony? January 16th. Oh, yeah, it's still a little ways away. 
Yeah, it's the game in January against the Islanders, but amazingly, that's not one of the um, goat head nights. Here is not one of the goat head nights, which seems kind of ass backwards to me. I mean, maybe but, they can still change. There's no reason they still can't change that. But uh, for me, also, it's uh, kind of weird that they would do it against the Islanders. Why not against the Ducks? Or yeah, I don't know. Much. I'm not quite sure. Like even with how bad Hashik's jersey retirement was, it was it was very poorly done. Um, they still at least did it against Detroit, a team that he won two cups with, um, that he had that he had roots with uh, after he left Buffalo. So head scratcher for me for sure that they would do it against the Islanders. But what do I know? Um, I think that's well, Miller only played in the goat head for one season, so I could understand why it's not a goat head night. He played in the slug head for most of his career. So, yeah, I mean, he had he had a cup of coffee with Buffalo in 04, 05, too. Um, didn't start his whole first full season, I think, until 05, 06. But, um, yeah, I, I'm a little confused as to why at least that game was the schedule on a night where Anaheim was in town. But that's just my opinion. Maybe, again, it also might be due to Ryan's own schedule. You know, they probably have to confer with him when works for you. Uh, maybe maybe they tried to make it work with Anaheim. It just didn't work with him. Maybe he has something going on. So, uh, With that being said, guys, as always, thanks for hopping on with me. Uh, it is fun to uh, talk about Sabres wins, uh, dominating wins. Um, and uh, it's always fun when the Sabres are good. And they were, they've been phenomenal last 48 hours. So 12 goals scored in the last two games. Jeff Skinner with seven points in two games. Tage Thompson, four points. Alex Tuck with another uh, – I think Tuck had, what, two, two, two assists tonight. Yeah, he is. Um, you know, again, just that whole uh, – the, the players you need to perform that you expect perform are performing. And then you got some secondary scoring tonight too, which was, which was great. So with that being said, guys – I'll hang up and listen. Remember, this is brought to you by Outlet Liquor, the place to buy a case over on Georgia Boulevard. Make sure you get over to Outlet Liquor for your Sabres game night and Bills game day needs. And always remember, let's go Sabres. Hey, everybody. This is Dwayne from Two Goalies, One Mike, a show where we give you a behind-the-mask coverage of the greatest sport on earth, whether it be happening right here in Buffalo or around the hockey world. Now, you might be thinking, hey, Dwayne, why would I want to hear what you two idiots have to say about hockey? Well, first of all, rude. Second of all, we're bringing coaches, players, analysts from your favorite programs from ESPN to Sportsnet to TSN. We're always on it. If you're a Sabres fan or just a hockey fan, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, you can check us out at trainwreckSports.com or the Dean Blundell Podcasting Network. Thank you for your support, guys, and I'll hang up and listen. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. 
and Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.